How does the cause of my death influence where I go? And what about the way I lay my body to rest? Does this influence where I'm going to go when I die? And does it cause different, different experiences on the other side? Today, we're talking about the manner of death, and it's a very interesting topic. You are listening to The Psychic Jam, a podcast that inspires holisticpreneurs like you to gain confidence, to learn, and to listen to your inner voice. Tune in as featured experts of The Psychic Associates discuss heavy and taboo topics, breaking down all the barriers of the realities of working in this industry. Today, we're discussing the manner of death. And I'm joined with my colleagues, Jay Lane and Amber Price and myself, Liz Throp. And I know, Amber, you've got some really cool insight on this one. So I'm going to let you take it away. Yeah, you know, I think the, the intrigue about this conversation is really in the fact that there's so many great questions that are posed to us all the time that gets us really working with the spiritual realm to to find the answers and to see the insight and to really broaden our awareness on the whole topic of death, which essentially is such a huge part of our human experience. I myself um, work with people who, when they come to me, they're trying to find closure or validation or something in respect to their loved one that has passed away. And for the most part, I've noticed that a lot of the people that are coming my way are trying to heal from murders or lost people, like like their bodies are lost or they are lost and we don't know if they're living or dead. So a lot of the, the work that I do as a medium, surprisingly to me, when I started doing this, was having a lot of connection with those souls on the other side. And so, you know, it begs the question, if somebody is murdered, what's their soul doing? Where is it? Is it in the same place as my uncle Bob? Where, where is my loved one that has been taken from us? And the other side of it is I can't find someone that I love. We don't know where they are. We don't know if they're living. We don't know if they're dead. We don't know what's happening. So if a lot of time had passed and, you know, now we're talking to somebody who is believing that in fact, their loved one has died, where's their soul? What happens to them? What are they doing? Are they lost? Are they, you know, stuck somewhere? So these are all questions that, you know, we, we really start to wonder about because what do we want for our loved ones? We want them to be peaceful and and we want them to be okay. And, you know, being okay can mean multitude of different things because it's all perspective again. But in terms of my experience working with people that have been murdered, let's just, you know, think about this for a second. So I'm working out of the highest vibration of light. So when I prepare for a session with somebody, I am already working with my spiritual team to say, protect me from low vibration energy, protect me from things that are not helpful to us or not for our highest good. And that includes me. That includes the person I'm sitting with, their family, whoever, everyone who's involved. So 
what, having gone through that process, having such a tight relationship with my spiritual team and my gatekeeper, I know what I'm allowed to see and what I am not. I am also working with my gatekeeper. So there are things that if it's just on that, that verge of being high vibration or low vibration, my gatekeeper will say, Hey, Amber, you can see them, but I'm talking, talking through. So it's almost like literally a gatekeeper. You can't talk to them yourself, but I'm going to work with them for you. So this is how I can determine if I know somebody's soul is going to be present in what we call heaven or okay, or their soul has crossed over or whatever terminology and verbiage you are comfortable with or that you use. So as I'm connecting and somebody comes through and they make me feel happy, they make me feel cheeky or sassy, or they're coming through with jokes or, you know, they're doing something that their personality here in the living would have done. They would have been their regular jokester self and, and, you know, messing with the technology and stuff, or they would automatically come through and say the thing that they normally would have said to their loved one. So this is how I have started to be aware, you know, for as long as I've been doing this, that if I can feel them the way that they were vibrating the highest while they were here, then I know that their soul is in a vibration that's high enough that I can say they're in a place of peace or their soul has gone to where you're hoping it would go, whether you've called it heaven or the light or whatever. And so that really got me thinking, do all people that are murdered automatically go straight to that level of vibration? Do they go straight to heaven? Because there, there is that thought of, you know, oh my God, like their life was cut short and they can't do what they had set out to do or, or could they? So, so that, so that's kind of the thing is that person's sole purpose to be here, to be part of that moment, to have this bigger thing that's going to happen as a result of it. And now they have done this transition. Their soul has ascended and now they're in heaven. They're in the light. Or was this such a shock to their whole soul's plan and they're holding themselves in the lower vibration, meaning they're not transitioning yet. They're kind of waiting to be like, who did it? What happened? Where's my vindication? Um, In which case I still see them as being in that high good light, that good side. So, So to me, ultimately, when somebody asks, when people are murdered, do they go to where my family is. Are they with my family on the other side? Will I see them again? In my experience, my answer is going to be majority. Yes, because that's what I've been able to work with and to be able to see. Now, there's also, you know, I think it's called ambiguous death or ambiguous loss where somebody has lost somebody, but they haven't actually received validation of the manner of death or if there is a body recovered, or there's a chance to lay someone to rest, like we don't know, we don't know if they're missing, we don't know where they are, we just know that there's a loss. And whoa, like to try to wrap your brain around that, and then never mind your brain, but your heart around that. So when, when I'm getting clients sitting in front of me and they've lost somebody that they're looking for, or like I said, they, they know, or they've presumed to have gone. 
again, that's where I'm going to start to get the energy. And it's the same process. Have, do they feel the way that they used to feel? Are they bringing through that high, high vibe energy? Are they trying to connect in the way that they would have to me? The answer is yes, 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 yes. Then. And so, so that in itself will show me, you know, how, how is the other part of this, right? So now we've got, okay, whatever. Now we're dealing with my soul of being a murdered person or being a person who's died, but hasn't been found. My soul is okay. Or my soul is on the other side. And now I've delivered that message. But then the next question would be is how can they be at peace? How can they be there if we haven't located the body? Or if we have not found the person or perpetrator responsible for causing my loved one's death, how can they be unsettled? And the answer has seemingly continually been because I'm coming from a soul level of perception. My soul is doing the work. It can see it's done and my ego is gone. Us here that are left to grieve or to look or find or fight for our loved ones, we're still human. We still have the ego. We still have the shadow. We still have all the aspects of being human. And that's what creates us to feel unsettled. So when we feel one way, we find it very difficult to wonder how the person it happened to can feel differently. And in a lot of cases, spirit is not saying that they feel happy that they're, they're over there. They're saying that they understand from a higher perspective that you now need to go through your process and do your work on trying to figure out how this is going to be resolved for you or not resolved, but almost like, how are you doing the work to get to that space where they already are because their soul can do it at a much higher rate than we can. So that's my experience, you guys. And it's such a, it's such an overwhelming thing. Like even just talking to you guys, I can feel all the energy of all the souls that I've ever connected to. And it, and it empowers me. And and that's the thing I want people who are listening today to understand about me. And, and my message today is as a medium, we are trying to be the voice for the people who have crossed over or the energy of the universe and spirit guides and, and all of the stuff that's going on that, that, you know, we don't normally understand we can't hear or so, or the normal everyday actions are not allowing us to pick them up or our ego is blocking them from happening. It is an honor to me to be able to be in that position, but it's also a very humbling experience to be able to do my own work during this because as the medium being here, you have your own things you got to work out because now you're part of this soul's group, this soul's plan. You are here sitting here in between these two souls doing this work. And now you have become part of this story. So it is something to be thinking about as you're doing it. What part are you playing and how meaningful and what kind of impact are you willing to leave? Jay? You know, that is so beautifully said because I deal with this quite often. I have people that come to me with missing people, but most of the spirits that I channel are always very happy and at peace, no matter how they died. And it's to understand that once you cross that veil into that dimension, that really you don't, you don't bring the ego with you anymore. It stays behind. 
it's like Denzel Washington once said, I believe in a speech that I heard, it's the same thing, you know, you'll never find a U-Haul behind a hearst. You can't take it with you. And so at the end of the day, I believe the same thing. I've channeled spirits where they've told me where to find their body. I know, Amber, you've had the same experience. And they're all excited, you know, that they're going to be found so that their loved ones could be at peace. But their loved ones not, are not as happy, of course, because they're grieving. They still have ego, as you mentioned. But the thing is, with most of the people that I see who look for permission to, to die, let's say by way of suicide, I think what in the manner of death, a lot of these people who do want to commit are fearful that they're not going to cross through, that they've broken an agreement. And I do believe that there is a transitional period once you break that contract to no longer stay here. But it's a personal belief of mine because of the experiences I've been through and not everyone's going to agree with me. However, I always tell people, you're going to be saved. You're always going to go through that light and you will, once you accept it, go through and you'll be at peace. And a lot of people have a hard time understanding that because they're so depressed. They want to die, but they think that heaven's not going to accept them or they're not going to go through the light or that they're going to be punished for taking their life, which is really sad, actually, because everybody goes to the same place. We're all saved. You know, so when we're talking about that and the fear of that transition, you're absolutely right, Amber, we're in a better place because we understand that death and we've been exposed to it most of our, our lives. But for these people, they still have ego. They're still thinking about the fear. They're still thinking about my loved one was murdered and she was in pain. She went through all of this fear and they replay all of these situations inside of their head how this might have transpired and how afraid they were and what happened and were they in pain and did they lay there suffering? It's, you know, there's not one soul that remembers how, you know, the, the, the actual pain of dying. They it's, it's like, remember being born. Do you remember being born? No. So you'll never remember dying. You know, it's the same thing. So the manner in death, I think is really interesting as well. I know, you know, Liz, I know you that you talk a lot about soul contracts when it comes to connecting people. And I loved your conversations around that. So, you know, how do you feel about that? Or what's your perspective on it? No, I like I totally agree with both of you on on your points of view so far. I've been so uh, informative for the listeners. But you know, one of the things we have to remember that Hollywood has done a really great job of depicting death and instilling fear in what happens when we die. Hollywood's done an incredible job at that. And it's because it sells fear sells, let's face it. So when we sit here and say, you know, like I, like, like you guys, I've never met a soul that wasn't happy on the other side, you know, they have, they will discuss their hangups or their, um, their little quirky things. But I think that's to help the person sitting at the table with me to understand who I'm talking to. Right. So they will give us these little hits of who they were when they were living. Now, my soul contract information that was downloaded to me. And again, I'm going to refer to the the experiences that I had. I sought the questions out with my spirit team. And, and I would recommend that everybody do that. Everybody who, you know, who's listening, ask the questions internally. Ask the questions. Your team is going to show you the, the wisdom. 
And one of the questions around death, because I lost my brother at a very young age. So I was introduced to death at like 10 years old. And, and it was a profound awareness in that moment. And, and so my entire life, I have sought out answers around what, what is death? Why, why do we die? Why do we live? What is the purpose? Why is, why does somebody get killed at 10? And why, why somebody who's really awful gets to live till a hundred, whatever. So the, in these questions, I have been shown that we come here as a soul with a, with a, basically a contract. We understand before we enter into the body, which we'll refer to, I refer to as the meat suit, um, that is basically, you know, dictating our lives, what, what our, um, our soul's job is while we're here. And the contract offers us exit points. So we are allotted, you know, and, and we're the ones that choose how many exit points we get. And we're the ones who choose when we're going to take them. And so let's say for an example, you know, I have a client sitting in front of me and they've got say five exit points that they can choose to leave by. Now, Jay, I'm going to come back to you because you had mentioned in a previous pod, or I think you may have mentioned in this one that you had, you had had a near life, a near death experience. You had actually died at one point when you were a very young girl. And so that would have been representative of one of your exit points. Yes. Right. So, you know, you're, you had the choice as a soul in that moment as that little girl to actually leave your body and not return, but you chose as a soul to stay because, you know, and thank God you did because look at the work you've done and for so many people. Right. And so we all have those moments, you know, in our past where we're like, yeah, that was really dodgy. I could have, you know, that, that could have played quite differently, whether it was a near miss car accident, um, you know, something we did foolish as a child that how did I, you know, I can remember falling backwards on the stairs and something pushing me back up and it was concrete stairs. I wouldn't have survived it. It was about 20 flights of stairs. I, there's no way I would have survived it, but somehow or other, I was definitely, uh, pushed back up those stairs. And to this day, I, I'm grateful for it. But the, the the whole contract idea around suicide, which was, again, brought on because of, of uh, losses that I had experienced, and I had asked the questions, my team explained it to me this way. When we have used up all of our exit points in our soul's contract, so we, because of that free will clause that we have as humans, right? Like that is trump over everything when we have used up all those contra- all those uh, exit points we can now we now have to leave the body we don't have any you know game plan we have to leave so typically we are given about a year to leave and it is the the soul of the person who's making the decision to stay longer than they should have who now has no choice but to leave the body and that the only way to do that is through suicide And so that's how my understanding of what suicide was, was that they had overextended their stay. Their soul had overextended their stay for what they needed to learn in this lifetime. And so it, it, you know, and this is again, my belief from my awareness that I've been shown, and it may not be that of yours or, or the girls that are sitting on the panel with me, but at the end of the day, it, it is something for you to contemplate. And we want to encourage you to think beyond your current experience 
in what and what the manner of death means to somebody on, on getting to the other side, uh, aka heaven. So I want you guys to think about, you know, the worst person you can think of on the planet. Uh, I won't give a reference, but you think of who you can think of that is the worst person that is no longer with us, that is dead. Now, you might wonder to yourself, and you know, like, again, I'm going to refer to Hollywood and how Hollywood has probably made you think that they've gone to hell, or your religion has made you think they've gone to hell. The bottom line is, you know, every soul gets to go to heaven, and it doesn't matter, and, and, I'll, and I'll explain to you why I know that, because when we behave badly on um, when we're living, so for an example, murdering somebody or, you know, um, causing somebody's death, whether it was intentional or not, it is an affliction of the mind, right? Anger, causing, causing some terror, these are all afflictions of the mind. And the mind is connected to the body, and the body does not come with you when you go to heaven. The soul is separate from the body. And we know this because when a person dies, they weigh people and they lose weight when they die. And that's their soul leaving. It's very minute, but it's there. There's a weight. There's an actual weight to it. So if it's an affliction of the mind, that does not go with the soul to travel to the other side. That is something that is part of their human experience. And the collective human experience, it's part of everybody's plan to experience whatever that trauma or tragedy or drama was. So, you know, I know, Jay, you've got, you've got some more insight in on this. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely true, Liz. I think that you're, excuse the pun, but dead on. I honestly feel that people have to understand that the soul's plan is that the soul may have chosen a life to be very difficult here or to be a terror or whatever the case may be. But once it crosses through to the other side, it loses its ego, it crosses through, and it becomes very elevated again. And with every experience, I believe that the soul elevates even more, depending on how many times they come here. But that's cause for another conversation. But at the end of it all, I believe that the soul and the ego are two separate entities. And no matter how terrible a person was here, they are always safe to the other side. They will cross through no matter what. For the example of, let's say I chose before coming here to be in a relationship that was very difficult or very abusive. And my abuser, I love this abuser. I was married to this abuser. Now this abuser dies. A lot of people will come to say, see me and say, I don't want to see that person when I die because they abused me. They were terrible. But what the person doesn't understand is that when you return to your original state and you leave the body behind, really the soul has made a loving agreement to go through these things in order to be able to learn its purpose and to, to live its purpose. So once they return back to their original state, all of that is gone and become pure again and loving soul's always loving. So no matter how terrible that soul was here, it's always saved. So it's interesting. I love the way you explain that, Liz, because it's so true. And we do have soul contracts. It depends on what the contract is. And you're right. Everybody has a different opinion in terms of 
what happens with certain types of situations and, and the manner of death. But at the end of the day, I think that Amber made this point so very clear. And so did you, Liz, is that once we cross through, it doesn't really matter what happened here because the soul will absorb all of that information to learn from it, to elevate to a higher soul level. And I think you've just completely encompassed everything that we needed to, to put together for everybody who's listening to this. Uh, I don't think it could have been said better, Jay. So thank you for that. We'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. Stay tuned for the next podcast on the topic of religion dying and death. We're going to explore that a little bit more. So we'll see you there. Thanks for coming, everyone. See you next time. Bye.